Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. We are in the second of what now might be a five-part series (laughs) and uh, called Kingdom Cowboys. Kingdom Cowboys. Last week we talked about uh, some of the things that Paul said to the Thessalonians at the end of his first letter. Uh, talked about uh, three things, a couple of them having to do with spiritual leaders and how to honor them. And I told you, if you wanted to honor me and the guys that were sitting up here and our board members and our and our video team in the back and anybody that has a position, the best way you can honor us is a lot of times giving us a, the benefit of the doubt, you know, uh, give us the benefit of the doubt or maybe even give us a break because We are human, and so we talked about what a cowboy in the kingdom of God looked like. But as I studied this week, I kept getting drawn back uh, to clarify a few things, and that's why I said this four-part might turn into a five-part. So uh, I I just want you all to know that uh, this year I will turn 23 for the 27th time. And uh, I, I'm excited about that. Every year is, a, is, a, is closer to getting to spend the rest of my eternity with God. And so I really don't mind getting older, um, but some parts of getting old is getting old. I mean, have y'all ever felt like that? I know you young people, y'all like, ah, that won't happen to me. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Especially if you're active, ride motorcycles or something like that. You know, there will be a time that you wake up and you just hurt all over. And that was this morning. I I cried putting my socks on this morning. And uh, but I I said a couple of weeks ago that that I'm real close to having my GoFundMe set up for my hearing aids. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to need some. And uh, and the reason why is. One other thing about getting older that that nobody prepared me for is that now in my spiritual maturity and my years maturity, now God has blessed my hearing where now when people think they are talking normal speak, I hear them in tongues, right? I don't understand anybody anymore because they all speak in tongues and, and tongues is a biblical thing, you know, talked about in Corinthians and everything. And my wife is, is, the, is the worst, okay? Cammie is the worst about speaking in tongues to me. Just, just the other day, she told me, sweetheart, candelabra schmigtail if we want a bitty bitty bump booger face. <laughs> and I just said amen because I didn't know what else to say because I get really, really tired of going, Huh? So I just say amen now whenever my wife speaks in tongues to me, you know? And, you know, it, Cammie's the worst about speaking in tongues, but, but I haven't heard Jace in 14 months. <laughs> Jace is very soft-spoken, and I love it about him, but I have learned to read lips really well. So, uh, but it's not just my hearing that gets old. Some, here's another crazy fact about getting older. Time moves differently the older you get, right? Because when you're young, 
Time goes slow, like you're waiting on summer break after first grade. It never gets there, right? And then once it gets here, you only have two days off and you're back in school. So time is very fluid. Well, it's very fluid once you get older, too, because me and Cammie were running some errands in one of the bigger local communities around Kiowa. And uh, we had to stop in and get a few groceries. Well, luckily, my, my cleaners was right next to the grocery store. And so, uh, as we're pulling in to, to grab some milk, uh, I told Cammie, well, she had asked me a few days ago, she said, ha, blah, 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 and something about clothes. And so, I just said, amen. And, but I figured out later that she was talking about the, uh, she asked me if we had any clothes at the cleaners. And I said, you know what, come to think of it, I think we do. So anyway, we're driving down through there and we pull in and I told her, I said, you wanna go get the milk or the clothes? She said something, I said, amen. I just kind of watched to where she went and I went the other direction. Well, she went into the store. And so I got out and I just walked up there and opened the door and my cleaners now has a supercuts in it. Can I help you, sir? Well, I don't think I have any clothes here. <laughs> and she said, sir? Well, I don't guess I have any clothes here, do I? I thought this used to be a cleaner's. And she said, yeah, about 18 months ago. I was like, oh, I thought it was June. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I mean, good grief, you know. Uh, listen, things, when I walked in that place, you, you don't pay attention. You know right where it is. I don't look at signs. I walked in there and opened the door and there were a bunch of people cutting hair. So things were not definitely what I thought they were, Okay. Things were definitely not what I thought they were. But there's something else, there is something else that might not be what you think it is. And it's easy because, I mean, as I said earlier, you know, going through this sermon series, I kept going back to one thing. And after 15 years of professional ministry, I have learned that if, if God keeps pulling your attention back to something else, maybe you should pay attention to it, right? And so, here it is. There's something else that might not be what we thought it was. And let me ask you a question, okay? It's not a hard question. It's a hard answer. <laughs> it's not a hard question. It's just maybe not a hard answer, but maybe it's not the answer that most people would think it is. So, here's a question I want to ask y'all. You do not have to raise your hands. I will call on you to answer, invite you up to test your biblical knowledge. And if you don't look at me, I will pick you to come up and give your... No, I'm not going to do any of that. I promise. Here it is. What is the kingdom of God? I mean, last week we talked about how to become a cowboy in the kingdom of God. While that is great and we'll pick it up again starting today... But first off, I, I think it is imperative that we talk about why the kingdom of God is important and why God wants some cowboys in this kingdom of God. So if you had the opportunity as Christians, and if you have 
accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and put your entire faith and trust in what he accomplished on the cross and not what you accomplished down here, and you have asked him for forgiveness of your sins, you are an ambassador of Christ. You are a cowboy in the kingdom of God, and therefore, people will come up and ask you questions. And if they did ask you a question, what is the kingdom of God? How would you answer it? Okay, how would you answer it? Well, entire books have been written on the subject, but I'm gonna try to attempt to give you, and granted, understand, I'm gonna paint an eight by 10 with a four inch paintbrush right here, okay? So, you know, I know a lot of people that, that think themselves more scholarly than me, well, well that's not, and, and you just stop, okay? This is a broad stroke, it's not exhaustive, it's just to try to get us in the frame of mind. It's a tough task, but let's go for it. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is a literal kingdom, okay? <laughs> now, I know how, like, you're like, duh, but I want you to think about that right quick because everybody, or well, at least my growing up, we always thought that I, or at least I got out of it, that the kingdom of God was some ethereal place that was just spiritual. It lived in our heart. Like it wasn't a real place, but it is a real place. The kingdom of God is a real kingdom. And how do I know that? It's because of my uh, special, uh, how do I say this? You know what hermeneutics is? It's how you interpret the Bible. Well, my hermeneutics says that if it says it's a kingdom, it's a kingdom, and I don't have to prove to you that it's a kingdom. You're going to have to prove to me that that's not what God meant, okay? So if it says that the kingdom of God, what is it? Well, it's a kingdom, okay? It is a literal kingdom with a throne and a king that sits on that throne. There are subjects the Bible calls them the heavenly host, right? So it has, it is a kingdom. There's a throne room guarded, right? With subjects, courts, councils, messengers, intrigue, politics, mutiny, and even war that has happened in this literal kingdom called the kingdom of God, okay? It exists right now in a spiritual plane that most often people of our uh, beliefs refer to as heaven, okay? It exists right now, this kingdom of God, with subjects, thrones, courts, councils, messengers, intrigue, politics, mutiny, and war. It exists right now in a spiritual plane that we do not have full access to yet, okay? It is a literal kingdom on a spiritual plane that we do not have full access to yet. When will we have full access to it? When we are shed of this meat sack that our souls live in. When we are freed from this prison, Jesus comes and takes us to where he is. How do I know that? Because he said that. I go to prepare a place for you. 
If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that I was going to prepare a place for you, right? And when it is time, I will come and get you. Well, I don't have to explain what that means. If you disagree with me, you're going to have to prove to me why God said that, but didn't mean it that he meant something else, right? So, it exists right now in a spiritual plane that we do not have full access to yet. Jesus, the king of the kingdom, came to earth in human form in order to defeat the power of sin and death and to offer anyone that would believe in him access to this kingdom of his. So this kingdom not only has a throne, it has a ruler and it has a king, the kingdom of God. Because how do we know that? Because at the end of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples the last thing he ever says to them, and we'll get more to it in a minute, but he says, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, right? So he is the king. Jesus, the king of the kingdom, came to earth in human form in order to defeat the power of sin and death and to offer anyone that would believe in him access to this kingdom of his. He even said, anybody ever... Did their mom ever say the Lord's Prayer to them every single night? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Right? So this is a real place that is talked about time and time and time and time and time again. And it just drives me literally insane that the smarter the human race gets in technology and, and study and scholarship and all of this stuff, that we tend to spiritualize everything. Oh, it's not a real place. It's a spiritual, it's a, it's a, it's just kind of an, an analogy. No, it's not. It's a real thing. It is an absolutely, it's as real as you and me sitting here. Okay. The spiritual kingdom will merge the spiritual kingdom where God is now will merge with this physical plane when Jesus returns to defeat the Antichrist after the seven years of tribulation and take his throne in Jerusalem and every knee shall bow to him for 1,000 years of peace and harmony. The kingdom of God has come. I mean, how many times does Jesus have to say, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. I mean, Jesus tried so hard to just chisel it into our pea brains. And because it was a little bit hard to fathom, we took the easy way out. Well, it's not a real place. It's just a spiritual place. No, it's not. No, it is not. While the kingdom of God might be somewhere else now, there is things that transcend the veil between our world and the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so we are living in a kingdom right now ruled by Satan, right? And the kingdom of God is on another spiritual plane, but it's still real. But these two have a membrane in between them and some things can cross over back and forth between them. 
And I know you're thinking, Ooh, where's he going with this? Let me tell you. There are things that transcend the veil between this world and where God lives now. How about this one? Salvation. When somebody accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and asks Him to live inside of them and they trust Him with what He did with their very eternal souls, the Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice. Well, if something doesn't cross between the two worlds, how can they know? Right? And, and people say, well, they're angels, they can do... Well, even then, so be it. There is ramifications that happen in heaven when we baptize people right over here. The angels in heaven rejoice. What we do on this earth has consequences. It has impacts. It's like little ripples that go out. Salvation is one of those things. I mean, like that is, that is like rescuing a hostage right now. And how, I mean, if you've been kind of watching the news, this might be a little bit uh, as close to uh, current events as I usually preach about, right? I mean, there's some serious stuff going on. Salvation crosses that veil in between these kingdom of Satan that is alive and well right now, when we become, listen, when we become residents of this new kingdom, that is a hostage being taken away from Satan and delivered up forever to the kingdom of God. So salvation crosses that barrier, okay? What else crosses the barrier? Now, we can't just come and go as we please of our own volition right now. Prayer crosses that threshold, right? I mean, think about it. If prayer didn't pierce the veil between the physical world and the kingdom of God, then they would never be heard, right? I mean, think about that. If prayer didn't have the power given to it by God to cross from this world into the kingdom of God right now, then God would never hear our prayers. Why do you think the Bible over and over and over says to pray? It's one of those things that can cross. Every single time you go to prayer, you are opening up a hole to cross that barrier from the kingdom of man into the kingdom of God. What else? I mentioned it already baptism. The symbolic washing away of sins and identifying with Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection crosses the veil between our physical world and the spiritual plane that God resides in now, right? How do I know that? Now, let me tell you how I know that, right? Because Jesus's baptism was so important that God showed up himself. And what did he, he descended in the form of what? A dove. And what did he say? This is my son in whom I am well pleased, right? In another instance, when that veil was crossed on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus took uh, Peter, James, and John up on the Mount, God says, this is my son, do what he says. And Jesus said, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you. See, God showed up to Jesus' baptism 2,000 years ago, and he's been showing up at everyone since then. Amen? I mean, I, I mean, that's the way I feel, right? It's important, guys. This is, we're, we're not just in a play acting out our little roles. This stuff has eternal and spiritual consequences, right? Salvation. When somebody is saved, it crosses that threshold. When we go to God in prayer, it crosses that threshold. When we are baptized, it crosses that veil. Well, there's some other things as well that I believe cross that veil, but we'll get to those in a minute. Okay. Since we've learned that right now the kingdom of God is in a spiritual plane, one that we cannot get in our cars and drive to or go take a selfie with some angels, right? Because that's, that, that's stupid human stuff. That's what we would do, right? Hey, oh, there's Gabriel. Hey, dude. <laughs> Since we've learned that the kingdom of God is spiritual right now, it's in a different plane that we can't, as physical mortals, we can't access it. How does this affect how you think about this verse? Okay? So we know that this is a spiritual thing. Satan rules down here. God rules in the kingdom. But in Ephesians 6, 12, Paul tries to hammer home how important our spiritual lives are. Okay? And what do I mean by our spiritual lives? I'm talking about the stuff that nobody knows about. I'm talking about who you are when it's just you and God. Or better yet, who are you when it's just you? What do you go through? What do you think about? What do you do? How do you conduct yourself? Right? These things have ramifications. With that in mind... Okay, with that in mind, how does that change the way you feel about Ephesians 6, 12? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I didn't say it. The Bible does. I'm not pulling this out. And I and <laughs> some of you need to, to 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 watch what this looks like from my viewpoint. Because when I look out there and people are like <laughs> Because that's exactly what it looks like from my vantage point. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6, 12. See, there's two kingdoms. Like I've already said, there's two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of man that Satan rules right now. Satan rules this earthly kingdom. God rules one, Satan rules the other. We live in the Satan's kingdom, basically. We reside in Satan's kingdom, but we are subjects and show allegiance and obedience 
to the other one. So basically, right now, we are behind enemy lines, right? We are behind enemy lines. And what is our duty behind these lines? To help rescue others that are destined to spend an eternity in hell where there is no hope, there is no life, there is no joy, and instead do our part for God working through us, because it's Him that does the work, we're just the vehicle. God does the work through us so that He can bring His children to Him. And it is so important that Jesus said that I will not come back until the fullness of the Gentiles is reached. So me, I pray that Jesus comes back every stinking day. Come back today, Jesus. But if he doesn't, you know what I do? I keep doing what I'm doing because there is going to be one more person that when they get saved, the fullness of the Gentiles is reached and Jesus comes back and he gets to take all of us home with him, right? I mean, this is real stuff. For we are not fighting, and, and think about this. Paul says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, right? But isn't that all we do? We bicker with each other and blah, 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 and nah, 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 When we don't realize that there's a bigger thing going on than our pettiness, right? We have eternal consequences with the way we live our lives, with the things that God does through us, with our growth in Christ. This is as serious a job or purpose that can ever be said, okay? And we spend so much of our time working so we can have a new duly pickup. And we spend so much time on well, you know what I'm fixing to say now. Living quartered horse trailers, right? I probably wouldn't say that if I ever had one. Uh, but I really don't care. I really don't care. I don't care about any of that. You know what I care about? This. You know what I care about? I care that your fight is not against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and principalities of this world. Right? Now, once we've set all of that up, I want you to understand this. The interaction between the two kingdoms, the skirmish line where the battles take place, is a place called, where we like to call it, as spiritual warfare. Okay? It is a literal battle being fought for our souls. We fight in this battle. It's, it's, it's starting to get good now. We fight in this battle of spiritual warfare by the way we live our lives and by fulfilling, make it known, I said it first, the great battle plan. Hang on. We fight in this battle by the way we live our lives and by fulfilling the great battle plan. Now, I know what you're asking. Come on, Kevin. Read it. Let me, let me hear this great battle plan. I want you to read a very, I want you to listen to an amazing Bible verse with the thought that it is a great battle plan. Here we go. Jesus came and told his disciples. I've already mentioned this once. 
It is the last thing Jesus said to his disciples before he went back up into heaven. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and you can count on this. Now he says, and be sure of this. I am with you always to the very end. That is our great battle plan. We fight in this battle by the way we live our lives and by fulfilling the great battle plan. This is why holiness is so important and why sin is so terrible. Holiness and sin are the ammos of their respective kingdoms. Think about that for a second. Holiness is the ammo that God gives us to win the hearts and lives of those that love him and want an eternal life. But sin, on the other hand, drags people away from God. And that is why God is saying, people, children, kids, listen, kids, listen, don't do that. Every time you do that, you are literally giving ammo to the opposer, to the poser that thinks he rules this world that will one day be defeated. But they use that ammo to influence other people. And it gives the other side an advantage that they shouldn't have when children of God don't live according to God's commands. It has ramifications. One, holiness makes our light shine brighter to win lost souls out of the darkness. What did Jesus say about that? He goes, nobody lights a lamp and then covers it with a hat, right? That's what sin does. We have a light of God that shines out into this dark world where there is weeping and gnashing of and just so you know, gnashing of teeth in the, in, the, uh, in the Bible, when it says that, it talks about uh, spewing vitriol out of your mouth against God, right? That is the gnashing. Cursing God is the gnashing of teeth. And we've seen that, have we not? Just these past two weeks, starting on October 7th, we saw what gnashing of teeth, even though these people didn't do anything and babies' heads were cut off and all of this stuff, there is all over the world gnashing of teeth against God's chosen people. This is real. Holiness makes our light shine brighter. Jesus said, we are to be like a city on a hill that shines bright so that those that are in the darkness can come and we can tell them about the grace and forgiveness and the healing that is made available through a faith with Jesus Christ. The other, the other just gives ammo to the evil side to use against God's kids. You're seeing it play out right now. 
No, and, and, and I know some of you are like, okay, this, this, this just might be too much for me. Well, good. Learn something today. No other scripture outside of Revelation talks, in my opinion, about this battle that we are in like Daniel chapter 10. But it's not Daniel that will be speaking, and it's not even God that will be speaking. Daniel chapter 10 records an angel speaking. Okay, now, before I read the passage, let me set it up. Daniel has been given a vision, and he can't make heads nor tails of it. So what does he do? He prays to God, and he says, God, I need you to explain this vision to me. And so he goes on a fast, right? He sit, he wears like burlap or something and, and sits in ashes and puts ashes on his head and just prays. And nothing happens for 21 days. And Daniel's just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Blah, 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 right? And then this happens. Understand, Daniel is one, I mean, Daniel in the lion's den, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. These guys are amazing, okay? Thank you, my left side. I'll talk to y'all, y'all get the jokes. Anyway, Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 12. Then the angel said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. How many days did I say? 21? On the first day, Daniel, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. Three weeks, 21 days. You with me so far? But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, does anybody know what modern day Persia is? Iran. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him, Michael, there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Guys, seriously, we have got to get ourselves out of walking through our lives with the biggest blinders on and not looking at this bigger picture of what it means to be a cowboy or a cowgirl in the kingdom of God. I mean, seriously, I really think that the church, especially in America, not say the cowboy, of course, but the church in America is running around with pop guns playing spiritual warfare with each other. That is not what this is about. There are, 
beings in this world, like the spirit prince of Persia, that tries to block what God is going to accomplish on this earth. This is a real battle. This is a real thing. Just because it is unseen does not make it unreal. The battle is real. And it needs some kingdom cowboys. Who in their right mind, if, if listen, who in their right mind does not want to be riding in this battle mentioned in Revelation. Revelation 19, 11 through 14. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. Who do you think that is? That is cowboys that rode for the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be there when that happens? And there is one way to guarantee that you get there. is to put your faith in Jesus Christ and live out the great battle plan. For all authority on heaven and earth has been granted unto me. Therefore go and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples how to obey my command. And remember this, I will be with you to the very end. And that is the end. He will be leading us to victory in the end if we endure down here. Please do not leave here today without an understanding that what you do in this life sends ripples through eternity, not just for you, but for others that are watching you. They're hiding underneath, they're, they're brushed up, they're scared, they don't know what's going on. They see your light. Make it shine brighter so that they can come out of the darkness and they can walk up to you and they can say, what do you have that I don't? He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest pure white linen followed him on white horses. Revelations 19, 11 through 14. Now, now, let's learn how to be a kingdom cowboy and get in the battle and win. But you'll have to come back next week for that. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, this is real. It's never been more real than right now. There is nothing that you are waiting on except the fullness of the Gentiles before you come back and you rapture your church unto yourself. At whatever timing that is, God, it will be perfect. But we know that you are going to love us and care for us.
And one day we are going to ride back down here and claim this good creation that God had created that sin tore up and we will make it right so that you can come down here and be our God and we can be your children once and for all. And God, what we do today will make a difference in eternity. Let us keep that in mind. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.